0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the Emerging Market Retail Podcast. Today, it's a very special episode because we have a new member. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, we are so excited to have uh, Simone Valvers uh, in uh, our team. So welcome, Simone.
1: Thank you. Thank you for letting me join.
0: Yeah. Why uh... don't you share a little bit of your background
1: Yes, of course, yeah. Uh, just like uh, you two guys, I'm also working on store Retailing in emerging markets. Uh, I started last year in September and I'm working also with Professor uh, Jan van um, I'm very happy to join the team and to have the chance to meet all the uh, guests.
2: Exciting. Yeah. So uh, Simone, today you are joining us for our first episode together. Um, where we will be talking about nanostores in rural areas. So, Camilio, can you give us a preview of what we're discussing today? Oh, of course,
0: Rafa. So um, as uh, the audiences may know, um, there are different uh, types of mom and pop stores across the globe, you know, that we also call them nanostores. And uh, probably most of the research Um, And, uh, of course, and and in practice, focuses on serving uh, urban nanostores, right? Because, well, of course, we have the largest number of these stores in in cities. Uh, Nonetheless, these stores, these nanostores are crucial for rural areas, right? Uh, It is very unlikely to find a wholesaler or a large supermarket in the middle of um you know of 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 uh, of um a province right so this this uh, family owned business usually become very relevant not only for uh you know the the shopkeepers the families that use this as a source of income but also for consumers that live in these areas, you know, and these, of course, become their way of uh, buying their daily goods, right? So um, this is like the setting, and today, well, the idea is to uh, have a discussion with an expert about the challenges of serving these stores.
2: Indeed, and so today we have with us uh, uh, Professor Christopher Tank, who is a global expert in this um, space, He has published several papers on on rural nanostore supply chains, uh, and he's a professor at uh, UCLA. So we are really excited to have this uh, insightful conversation with him.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Um, An exceptional guest uh, is with us uh, for this episode. I am referring to UCLA Distinguished Professor Christopher Tang. Uh, Welcome, Professor.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Among other uh, research uh, related uh, positions, uh, Professor Tang also serves as uh, Senior Associate Dean of uh, Global Initiatives at the UCLA Anderson School and as a faculty director of the UCLA Center for Global Management. So it is quite a privilege having you on board for this episode, Professor. Um, So, uh, well, we have been following, of course, uh, your work. And uh, regarding rural nanostores, I would like to ask you, Professor, uh, can you explain um, the main challenges that a supplier uh, should be aware of when serving rural
3: nano stores. Thank you. Well, let me be before I answer your question. Maybe I tell you a little bit why we need to focus on the nano stores uh, as a research topic. I think in research, I think a lot of the companies, marketing professors, OM professors, they've studied traditional retailing and now even online retailing for a long time. But I think that's in the context of uh, inclusion and uh, income equality, and I think the nano have always been neglected. But uh, yes, they play a very important role in emerging markets. So therefore, I think it's a very exciting area. for the researchers to explore this area as well. Now, coming back to your question, uh, Camilo, in terms of the challenges that nano are facing, it really relies uh, back related back to the supply chain. Uh, context. So, supply chains is really talking about managing material flows from maybe from the supplies all the way to the manufacturer to retailers. Information flows also the between from the uh, maybe uh, a one two ways from the supplies all the way to the retailers and also the retailers provide the information back up the supply chain in terms of what the demand signal going to be. And the third one is related to financial flow how to get the money out from the customers to the retailers back to the suppliers, right? Now, for the traditional uh, more big supermarkets in in the urban area, they have ITs, they have roads, they have telecommunication, they don't Mm -hmm. have problems. But for nano stores, in the small stores located in rural areas, especially in emerging markets, they face challenges in all three dimensions. First, in terms of material flows, they do not have the infrastructure that the urban area has in terms of roads, in terms of telecommunication, and sometimes even electricity. So therefore it's difficult for the suppliers or distributors to ship the products to the store. Second, information. Well, a lot of times they don't have electricity, uh, let alone in terms of smartphones, but it's getting better, we'll come back to it later. In the case, how do they get the information flow in terms of how to place an order? Maybe by phone, maybe word of mouth. And the third one is also financial challenges. Uh, Well, a lot of time, this kind of transactions in rural area is cash-based. If they have to collect the money in cash from the customers, then they have to pay on cash on delivery. But in many emerging markets, because of all the stores, they serve the local community. A lot of time, they may not collect the cash on selling. They may have a credit with the local customers. So as a result, there is a delay for them to collect the cash. But then there's a problem. That would trigger the problem of the cash-to-cash cycle because they are waiting for the cash deliveries, and yet they have not they collect the cash to pay the supplier. So therefore, there's a cash-to-cash cycle. The timing is uh, not in a uh, Insane. So as a result, they have difficulty buying the product, getting the uh, getting the orders placed, and also getting the shipments. So how are they surviving, yeah, Professor? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's to uh, to for these land stores to uh, excel, to succeed, to sustain. They need to overcome all these three key challenges. So I call this uh, the frictions, the trade frictions. That is caused by the lack of infrastructure, the lack of information infrastructure, and also the lack of financial support. So, in order for these nano stores to succeed, we need to find ways to overcome these three hurdles. That's where there's a golden opportunity to conduct research in this area as well. Now, let me I, I explain maybe one key concept that may be meaningful uh, to the audience. I use one word. Aggregation to aggregate because a lot of all these stores are really small. They have, they don't have, they cannot buy large quantity. Without a large quantity, no one wants to serve them because the distributors and wholesalers say, hey, you always order small quantity, but the shipment cost is outweigh the benefit of serving you. So therefore, a lot of time, they don't want to serve them. So therefore, the amount of product they can order and also the price they charge, actually, according to research, is actually more expensive on the per unit basis than the urban area. So poor people actually end up paying more. So in that case, it's not sustainable. So how do they survive? So I look at different nanostores in different countries. There's one common theme. For those who survive, for those who didn't survive, I don't know why they didn't survive. (laughs) They do have something in common. It's aggregate. They have to work together. They have to work together to make it sustainable. So, for example, in the Philippines, some of the nano stores on the roadside, the quantity is too small. But they are everywhere in the little street corner and all this. Mm -hmm. But they can work together to actually group all the quantity together. Then they do group buying. So that is a very successful program. They have actually, they aggregate all the order together. Then they can buy large quantity. But then in order to reduce the uh, the, the shipment costs, so in that case, they get the order. They can maybe get quantity discount, but the shipment is a problem because they are dispersed in different locations. So usually what they do is a hub and spoke system. So that means they delegate one of the store, one store to be the local point to receive all the orders and then they contact the local store to come and pick it up. So hub and spoke right now. This kind of system has been existed for a long time, even in big stores. But this one, all the actors, a small one. Now, this one is also being used in in Africa for Coca Cola. Coca Cola also used the local people to actually ship it to one location and then you use my I call micro logistics provider so they use maybe delivered to each little stores by uh, bicycles even sometimes by little carts, such that can make it easier to do hub and spoke yeah so I think that is very important there's a group buy to Organize and purchase quality together so you have a bigger discount, give them incentive. Then, how do you get this shipped the ship to each individual store? Then, in the case you use hub and stock. So, in that case, I call aggregation.
1: Yeah, I think, thank you for your uh, elaborate discussion. I have a follow up question because, um, yeah, we, of course, have been reading your papers as well, and you already touched upon some of the alternative distribution strategies to supply uh, those rural nanostores and to reduce the cost for serving them. Um, and you also uh, elaborate more in your papers on, okay, what are the different ways and how could we set this up? Could you elaborate a bit more on this?
3: Uh, well, maybe I can use the example about the Philippines uh, as an example. Uh, they have uh, m- many um, stores called Sari Sari stores. So it's a little, little stores. But then uh, they, uh, again, they cannot really uh, have the place of order because in the rural area, Actually, uh, the distributors of the wholesalers, they do not even exist. Why? It's like the banks, because they are not profitable to serve them. So therefore, <clears throat> banks do not exist, distributors do not exist, wholesalers do not exist. Then how do they make ends meet? Because these sari-sari stores, they are set up on the little homes. They just open a little window. I think in Mexico, some area, they also have that. They sell maybe chocolates, they may sell little things. But then, then there's a problem. How do they actually can generate a living so that they can survive and also serve the local communities? So what they end up coming up with, the idea is actually there is a social entrepreneur to help them. It's called Happy Noi. It's like the happy aunt. It's like your aunt. So what they do is that is the different stores, they work together and say, hey, if we do it by, by ourselves, we have to travel long distance on our own. Then mm-hmm. it's not economical, right? So therefore, and also cost is high without the uh, quantity. So they decided to work together, to uh, group all the information together. And then you delegate one store as a sole collector to collect all the orders. Then they aggregate. Then they place order with a distributor in the urban area. Then it's far away, but it's okay because they aggregate. So in that case, the distributor is "Okay, your total order quantity is large enough, but I can only shift to one location. After that, you are on your own." Then it's okay. Let me take the responsibility. So in this case, this little store it will become a local wholesaler, basically, effectively. So they've collected all the all the uh, uh, quantity in bulk, and then they uh, then they contact the local stores to come and pick it up. So therefore they can share the cost. They share the cost of transportation. They also had the group buy reduce uh, the ordering costs. Also, in some cases, they may also use this local wholesaler to reduce the package size. So for example, uh, i seen it, it would be like uh, many of them, they go to Costco. Let's say in the U.S., they buy in Costco, maybe ship it to uh, different countries because it's cheaper. Then they what they do is they open the big package and then reduce it, the package size by a local small package. Because the local customers want, they don't have refrigerator. So in that case, they cannot keep the chocolate for a very long time. But it's okay. They cannot afford to buy big uh the cans of lit chocolate but they would like have two so in the case you can package in two so we like in some emerging markets you can see that they may sell uh chewing gum in small packages or chocolate in a small amount in quantity i've seen that uh, in mexico in rural area as well so in the case to make it as this local wholesaler to make it uh, possible for the local uh, nanostores to sell and also help them to sell in small packages such that customers can afford to buy and also that, and also at low cost.
2: Thank you so much, Professor, for, for this uh, insightful uh, insightful answer. I, I want to uh, continue uh, discussing um, innovations in this uh, rural nanostore space. And, and one of the um, innovations that we know you have been paying a lot of attention to is uh, that of uh, Alibaba with the the Ling Shutong uh, initiative, uh, the retail management uh, platform, through which shopkeepers can can replenish the, their inventories in rural areas. Uh, Alibaba is also using this to um, deliver some some packages that are sold in their uh, online platform, um, and in return for this service, um, uh, you know the the, the customers also. Um, uh, are able to 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 let's say start buying uh, packages online, so it's kind of a win-win-win uh, situation. So more broadly, can you tell us about you know technological innovations that that you find interesting in this in this space, and what are the challenges that they are addressing? Uh, thank you.
3: Well, in China, actually, this has been a very exciting uh, development. So I think that it started from uh, the concept of uh, common prosperity. Uh, launched by President Xi. So the idea is that is now the uh, the people live in the city, uh, our big companies, they're making uh, big profits. And yet the people live in the rural area, they're making little profits, if there's any, right? So therefore, it's what is any way to help the, the rural area to uh, to grow the, 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 the uh, economic growth as well? Now, so this one, I think last year, I think that's, uh, some of the big firms, uh, they were uh, uh, asked or uh, encouraged them to donate the profits to rural area. So this including uh, the uh, Alibaba, uh, Tencent, JD.com, which is another second largest uh, e-commerce, and PDD, which is uh, they mainly serve the uh, the local uh, smaller cities in China as well. Now, in terms of technology, uh, China is leading on the smartphones. Uh, because that they found, although a lot of smartphones are used in the city area, but then in the rural area, they now have no access to smartphones. Now, smartphones are very important. One is uh, communication, obviously. Second, is also smartphone actually can leverage the online payment system, the mobile payment system. So this would be like Ali Alipay as well as WeChat Pay. So once, the, we, uh, once you have the payment system, customer can buy, and customer can sell using the mobile payment system. That makes a big difference. Without that, you cannot digitize the rural area, right? So that's point number one. So now the transactions can be done through the smartphone. Then the next issue is that, how do you get the store to set up to, to actually have a this kind of omni-channel, order online pickup in-store, right? So even in rural area, it seems impossible, but the smartphones make it possible. So, what they do is the following. So, Alibaba, even in terms of safety, they try to help the rural area, the local stores, nano stores, to digitize the operations. So, now with the mobile payments, so in that case, most of the packaging, they already have uh, the barcode and QR code. So, what they do is they just need to give up a scanner and also a computer system in a store. So, they say, okay, we'll help you set it up and also digitize your operations. So in the case, whenever they sell one items, they can just scan the item and then automatically record it, right? Then after that, they also can build in a simple system whenever the inventory below certain level, they can trigger the order. Then also using the IT information system, they can actually aggregate all the local stores to do the aggregate purchasing, right? So in that case, again, they can use application as well. So the IT system enable them to have the uh, aggregates the orders. Then in the case, the vendors can ship it directly to a local area. So for example, JD.com did exactly that. So basically, JD.com in the rural area, they call have a, a, a local uh, JD uh, 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 vendor or a promoter. So this, this store is, again, would be the, collector the local wholesaler receiving all the orders and then the local other nano source will go and pick it up right so in that case through this technology and also enable them now that is more on the transactions the physical flow yeah but then there's also in terms of information flow because right now everything is tracked using this mobile phone using scanners so in that case uh, the, the vendors also know in terms of which product is selling well, which product is not selling well. That help them to forecast better as well. So that is also a big win for the vendors as well. And the shipping. So by aggregating the order will reduce the shipping costs. Then the last one is on uh, in terms of the cash flow. Cash. So that is really major problems now. But in this particular case, it's very interesting. Once you have the information flow and the financial flow, then actually Alibaba, they built the AI, the artificial intelligence. They can actually predict forward, predict using the past sales data, using your uh, past payment systems. They can predict whether you are a credit worthy as vendors or not, or the stores. So in the case, they can also allocate some credits, line to credit. Now, this area, when the banks are not really easily accessible, and yet through the Alibaba system, they can use AI to actually detect which store is actually more uh, trustworthy. Can actually give them a line of credit, such that they can buy the the, the products and then pay later.
1: Thank you very much. I think those are the opportunities are really huge of implementing those systems. But what do you think are the main challenges? For the rural stores to adopt those new technology uh, technological developments.
3: Well, thank you. Uh, based on this study, recent study by other researchers, not by me, uh, it's a, p- a papers published in AER, um, uh, American Economic Review. It shows how important this topic is. In the Insight Magazine uh, journal, and they actually study one hundred uh, villages uh, of who adopted this system. What they find is that is within one year the number of people, uh, customers who actually switch from on uh, offline to online using a mobile phone, went up 14% within one year. So that's good. And also sales of the nano source actually go up because it's easier for them to pay, easier for them to order smaller quantities because they aggregate them together. So in the case, uh, getting the, uh, the customers to embrace e-commerce, it was the easy part. Also, also getting the uh, product delivered is also improving. So for example, JD.com uh, in, in China, they use drones. Now they can fly the drones up to uh, 15 kilos, around over 30 pounds. They deliver all the way for 50 kilometers radius, right? They can do that. So that is delivering is not a problem. Getting the operation set up is not a problem get the sales not on, um, but the major challenges they find is that is selling into the uh, the village is the easy part, but helping the rural area, the farmers, the selling the product out is a problem because that's uh, the transportation and also how to order and is very difficult. So they found that is, there is a statistically significant increase in sales in the rural area through e-commerce, but there's very little transaction coming out. But don't worry, Uh, there's another company, Tencent, who's famous on the the mobile commerce. They came up with a platform called WeCountry, the WeChat Pay, the WeChat, and also WeCountry. Using this uh, online platform, they enable to local producers, like farmers, to advertise their crops and the harvest they have and sell to the local community. So in the case, with the local transportation, local community, they can get uh, fresh produce at a lower price. is fine. So I think that moving forward, having this system set up the way like the We Country, PDD, which is the number three uh, e-commerce in uh, in China, may be able to partner with them, such that they can actually sell the uh, the fruits and and crops uh, to other uh, other cities, because PDD only focus on not Tier One city is Tier Two, Tier Three, Tier Four cities, such that they can help them to set up the selling platform uh, in the local area, such that the transportation cost is manageable. So therefore, I'm quite excited about how technology can help in terms of uh, uh, selling into the uh, rural area and now actually sell within the the uh, the local villages.
0: Awesome, professor. That I mean, that sounds. uh incredible for us uh, particularly uh for me you know that uh, i come from a developing country colombia and that i have been living in mexico for uh, many years you know and that i've seen those those challenges you know i have observed those uh in the field but uh and 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 some of the things that you describe uh seem very futuristic you know with drones and and other things and well I will say that, and you also already mentioned that, one of the main challenges, you know, is the limited cash availability. Not only for nanostores, but for any micro and small firm. So um, in one of your papers, you describe four different types of, of microfinance models. you know. Uh, one is the self-help groups, other ones the the community banks, peer-to-peer networks, and and uh, these other like microfinance institutions. So my question, professor, would be: if you were to pick one, which one of those four do you consider that is the one that will have more impact on this type of of, uh, of micro firms uh, globally? Well, in emerging market, which is like eighty uh, percent of
3: the world well uh Camilo, this is a billion dollar question i think right now i think the financial institutes they already realize that the market is saturated in the urban area everyone wants to get into the rural area because that is the last frontier how to make money off them of course they also need to make money right but they can't create win-win now so group lending uh, started by uh, Grameen Bank. It shows a very good, but it's difficult to scale up because the operation cost is quite high. Microfinancial institutions, yes, you can do micro loans, but it's also difficult, right? Because there's also the operations is either not clean or difficult to uh, to manage. But then that's where the microfinance using fintech, I think is more promising. Now, But then how to get the FinTech working out, that remains to be seen. But I do see that these now emerging markets, they are really embracing uh, the mobile finance, mobile and also using technology. Now, we'll see how the uh, cryptocurrency is going to play out. And look at El Salvador, it's the first country embrace the cryptocurrencies. Now, there's also crypto lending. Uh, in terms of uh, that, that may be actually, you may, I'm not suggesting using uh, Bitcoin, but I think that using the technology such as blockchain, that may show that is some kind of trust in terms to track the transactions of the nano stores from the customers, such that you can actually develop AI or machine learning to see which one is credit worthy. So in that case, to reduce the lending risk. Because right now that is uh, not really difficult for them to know now. That's why the information is key. If you look you know to get information. That's why you need to keep track of all the transactions. So I think the blockchain has a potential uh, to serve as a mechanism to actually track the transactions and also using machine learning and AI to figure which source has earned the credit score score instead of the traditional credit store using the actual transactions, right? So you look at in terms of the cryptocurrencies now it's been used in in El Salvador and also that's uh, now Venezuela as well as Brazil. So I think as more emerging countries adopting mobile finance using the FinTech technology, gradually there is a chance to bypass the traditional banking system it because the traditional banking system is too archaic, it cannot really reach out to the rural area because uh, they uh, they feel that they are not bankable because the operating costs to operate a financial institutes in the rural area is too expensive. So therefore, they need to rely on uh, the mobile technology as well as the blockchain technology. Hopefully, the costs will come down. So in that case, they can use information as a substitute for credit score, such that they can actually provide the lending. A much more efficient way
2: professor if, if i may follow up um probably this is not something that would work well in in rural areas but what role do you think suppliers can play we have recently been been doing some work uh with companies in latin america uh, who, who are financing with short-term trade credits um the, the nanostros that they're serving and we have observed some some really really drastic uh, improvements in the amount of product that they're able to deliver as a result of these trade credits. So I wonder whether you have um, uh, thought about the, the role of the supplier and, and what you think the role of the supplier can be in the future. Absolutely, uh, Raphael.
3: In terms of information, uh, uh, besides the mobile finance to track all the transactions for all brands, the suppliers will know that in terms of transaction for their own brand. Right. So, therefore, you have documented a very successful case in Mexico, the Bimbo Group. They use the Red uh, uh, Quibo uh, providing in the, the, uh, the mobile uh, digital platform. So, in that case, they can do the transactions without credit cards. Right. So, but I think that this has become more common now, but that is more limited to the own brand. So, it is uh, like Unilever, a pot and gamble, they use a soccer watch in Africa then provide the trade credits for the nano stores. But those are only limited to their own brands because they can only observe the sales for their own brand. Now, for the blockchain, I'm talking about, the actual, I can track the entire stores for all brands' uh, transactions. So in that case, it's very different. So that is like Alibaba. Alibaba you actually utilize all the information for the, uh, for the vendors and for all brands, not just for limited brands. So I think depending on the scope and scale, if you're thinking about in terms of limited particular brand, the supplier can say, oh, Rafa, I know that you have been buying my brands and I want to provide you line of credits to give you the incentive to sell more on my product, right? But from the store standpoint, they cannot just sell your product, they sell other product as well. So therefore, I think it depends on the scale and scope. So I have a limited scale. Yes, absolutely. The supplier can provide the financing because the risk is low, because I've been doing the transaction with you. But if they want to grow for the entire ecosystem, if you will, in the case, I think some kind of technology to track all the transactions using blockchain AI could, be, uh, could scale up the operations.
2: Thank you, Professor. So throughout this episode, you have provided a, a, a broad overview of, of so many different innovations that can be used to, um, to build the, 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 the rural nanostores of the future and their supply chain. So, if you have to pick one or two of these uh, innovations, which ones do you think will be the most uh, crucial ones in the um, following years to shape this uh, this of the future in rural settings?
3: Well, thank you. If I have to pick one area, I think that in terms of uh, we need to improve the infrastructure, but I think this is a challenge for many developed countries because. After all, we still need road, we still need access, not just getting the product in, it's also getting the product out, right? So that's why that a lot of uh, farmers in the rural area, they have difficulty selling out in the market and they sell direct, right? So I think the infrastructure is very important. So that's why I think that you can see uh, the economic growth is so phenomenal in China because of the infrastructure. Uh, so if India needs to uh, improve the economic growth, infrastructure is unavoidable. Uh, so same as uh, uh, many African countries as well. So I think this is the step one. The step two would be like, after that, the technology would become more mature as well. So I think that's the bottleneck, if you will, is the infrastructure.
2: Okay. Well, thank you very much for so many for sharing so many insights with us and our audience. We are really, really excited to have you, and and have, as always, uh, enjoyed uh, our conversation with you today. Um, so we we again appreciate very much that you that you shared these uh, minutes with us and and your extensive knowledge.
1: My pleasure. Professor. Thank you.
2: Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by
3: Tilburg University.